0: Hey everyone, it is Christina, your host of the Involved Company podcast. Every Tuesday, I host no BS conversations with women of color about intersections of race, identity, and our cultural upbringings with, well, everything else. So we are here exploring our identities, the different facets of it, the nuances, all that good deep shit that we haven't had a chance to talk about. And so... I'm really excited about today's episode with Cassandra Lamb of The Cosmos, but before we dive into the episode, I wanted to let y'all know that it is my birthday month. What's up? So we are hosting a monthly giveaway with our friends at Allbirds, and I'm going to make it even easier for y'all to to win this month's prize. So all you have to do is listen to the end about how you can win and that's it. The other thing that's really awesome is that I'm going to be teaching a workshop on journaling to explore your identity with Ethel's Club. It is a three part series that I am doing with them starting the first week of December and we're gonna break it down into looking back at the past, looking at the present, and looking at the future. So if you are part of Ethel's Club, come join me, sign up for the workshop. And if you're not, they also offer a seven-day free trial to try out their membership. And it's the super social and wellness club based out of Brooklyn for people of color. So make sure you check it out. But Now we can get into the nitty gritty of what we're talking about with Cassandra. So as y'all know, I am a super woo-woo into the esoteric, the spirituality, all those things like that is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I'm so excited that Cassandra could join me today to talk a little bit about the same things that I just mentioned. So if you don't know Cassandra, she is the CEO and co-founder of The Cosmos, which is a space for Asian women to care for themselves, their community, and their world. Super amazing, amazing community that they've created for Asian women. Her and her co-founder, Karen, are really building something special. And by the time you listen to this, they're actually gonna have launched a new brand for women of color, To build their businesses, right? To build their practices, to offer them to the community. And I'm super excited, but that's what we know so far. And so I want you guys to go see what they're doing at Join the Cosmos and just see the work that they're making over there. I think it's really, really special. But in today's episode, We're going to talk a lot about having hard conversations with your family, which seems to be pretty good timing, all things considered, with the holidays. And on top of those holidays, it's an even weirder, weird-ass time. So hopefully you will really resonate with Cassandra and how she's been navigating those hard conversations. We talk about spirituality what does it mean to be spiritual, what does it mean to have spiritual practices, and then of course we talk about community care, right? One of the most important things that we can do is care for our community, but a lot of that can't happen until we look inward. So we're going to talk about all of these things and more today with Cassandra, and let's jump in. So Thank you so much, seriously, for taking time to come onto to the podcast. I am so excited to finally be able to connect with you. I've actually listened to so many of episodes of other podcasts that you've actually been on. And so I feel like oh, I have thank you. Like, that background is, context. No, so wait, yeah.
1: Homework was not required.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, like, I want to hear you know more about you before I get to talk to you. And like, part of like why I want to do the podcast and why I do a little bit of research beforehand is like when I have guests come on, I know that you probably have gone on another podcast and I would love to talk about something that you haven't really talked about before, you know, cause I can link to a couple of other places where you talk a lot about your story and your family story and you do it like with such vulnerability and openness. And uh, that's what I really enjoyed from listening to you on you know, I think it's dear Asian Americans and just some of the other ones, too. But well, thank it was really are awesome.
1: doing that. And it also means a lot that you do that homework because I think it allows for each podcast episode to be additive as opposed to you're hearing a rehash of like the same story. And so I'm excited because, actually the last podcast interview we did with Bamboo and Glass, like the host also did similar homework so that they brought a different angle. So now I'm excited, you know, to be here with you and maybe to add color to other parts of, you know, my story or Cosmo's story, wherever we end up going together.
0: Yeah, no, that's gonna be great. Well, I want to start off with just you. I know from the other episodes that you've recorded, you know, that you're Parents are refugees from Vietnam. And I would love to have you talk a little bit about that, how you grew up in California and just a little bit, but we'll like add to that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's timely that you're asking because I'm actually uh, recording this right now from my parents' house. I flew back a week ago to visit for the first time since Christmas last year because of COVID. And I'm leaving tomorrow night on a red eye. So, right as, you know, it seems like. We're gonna go through our second terrible wave mm. of deaths because you know a big part of the country doesn't believe in it. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> it's interesting because every time I come home, I think it's an opportunity for me to reflect on how much I've grown and changed, but also the ways that I haven't changed. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, for context, I now live in Brooklyn, and I'm the only one in, in my immediate family who's outside of California. So. Having lived in New York for what will be six years soon in January, wow. I, I feel like whenever I come back, it's like I see my family in these very distinct chapters that mm-hmm. also allow, you know, based on how well I fit back into the family, it really informs me of how much like we've collectively and individually grown and shifted.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives
1: me a lot of, I think, appreciation. It's almost like they're all mirrors of me and I'm a mirror of them. And I, I want to share this because I, I think I've been very, I've moved into a phase of my relationship to my family where I am much more in appreciation for what we do have and what they have given, you know, my parents to me and my sister, as opposed to, I think, in my teens and in my younger 20s, it was really focusing on what I didn't have, what I didn't get, what I expected parents mm-hmm. to be what I projected was like a, a right way of parenting and a right way of being onto them as a result of all of my hurts and traumas, you know, that I had to navigate yeah. in my, in my twenties and forever going to be navigating. I think parenting, like the parent child relationship, I think is so complicated. Oh, yes, <laughs> it
0: is. <laughs> and
1: we place these insane, fantastical, like talk about a pedestal, right? We, we place these expectations on our parents, you know, in large part, like when we're growing up, because we didn't have, they were our first forms of support and safety. But when we do, you know, move, move out of that into adulthood, what are the ways in which we can let go of some of that, you know, and and heal and perhaps look a little bit more objectively to recognize that they're just people too, who had certain tools, yeah. maybe didn't have other tools. Maybe didn't have an education. Maybe never saw a healthier way of being reflected back to them. Uh, this is all very much informed by "All About Love" by Bell Hooks. If you've ever read that book, yes, yes, <laughs> I have. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was just talking to a friend about that. Yeah. No, I mean you're so right. It's like there's always like a moment, right, when you look at your parents and you realize that they are also humans, and. They have flaws and this history that you don't know about, and that's definitely something that we're never going to really understand until maybe we decide that we want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm super interested in knowing, like, what's something that that you discovered on this trip home? I know you said, like, every trip back home is a little bit different. So,
1: I mean, you you shared this already, but both of my parents are Vietnamese boat refugees. And just for a little bit of extra context before I jump into that, growing up, I I'm the oldest of two daughters. And so I was kind of the child that had to go through everything, like went through all the fights first, like mm-hmm. had all. And I was also very much like, I was both academically successful, but very stubborn, very much determined to do things my way, which created a lot of conflict between me and my dad, who is a traditionalist and was raised, mm-hmm. you know, in another country and another generation where daughters are supposed to listen to their parents But, you know, I really rejected a lot of that. And a lot of it was also fueled by the fact that, like, you know, by rejecting my dad, rejecting like the way that he tried to parent me, Mm -hmm. it was a coping mechanism, a defense against me acknowledging the ways in which I felt neglected or unappreciated or not seen by him. So, in order to sort of traverse that in the past, like, couple of years, like, I had to, I think, become more. I think the word I like to use is self-referencing, like how can I give myself or find other people to give me some of the things that I place on my parents, maybe unfairly. And what are the ways in which I can change how I view my parents so that I can come from a place of peace, from a place of empowerment, Mm -hmm. from a place of loving myself first, and from that full cup, being able to love and show up for them you know, getting rid of a lot of codependent behaviors that I did see reflected in me. So, you know, that's a really quick summary of some of the really hard, mm-hmm. shitty work that happened in like over mm-hmm. the last like five years. But I think the most tangible like, story I have is, um, so I have a septum piercing and I've had it for <laughs> a year. I, I went home last yes. with, with it and that was the first time my dad saw it and it was a surprise for him. Not very smart, I think, on my part, but I was just hoping. Well, I'm only
0: here for two weeks, so are you really
1: going really to start something with me? Um. Anyways, flash forward till now, in a couple weeks before I was supposed to come home, like my mom and my sister were feeling like really anxious and angsty because they were, you know, like afraid that me coming home with it was going to cause drama. And you know, my sister and my mom are both living here right now, so they would have to deal with it really more than I would, right? So um, there was this classic like Asian family telephone situation where it's like, okay, oh well, my God. <laughs> dad has hinted to mom that like he's frustrated and he's taking it out on her. And therefore, mom is now hinting to my sister, like, can you get Cass to take it out? And my sister telephoned to me, like, okay, saying, I don't want to deal with all of this. Can you deal? do something, hide it, or take it out? And so I got this text, I think, like a week or two before I was flying back home. And my first reaction was to feel like really triggered, like one, mm-hmm. a little like betrayed, like, how can my sister ask me to, you know, change who I am? Yeah, you're um, like, no um, way I'm not doing that. Yeah, I mean, that was just like my knee jerk reaction. But then like, I sat with it, I didn't respond. And I looked at the whole situation holistically. And I realized all of this, like, stress and all of this chaos and drama is being started because like, there's there's one person that everybody's sort of responding to. So let me go directly to that person and see if I can mitigate the situation. Mm. I had just finished reading um, Thich Nhat Hanh's book, The Art of Communication, the day before. So thank God. uh, Testing it out. (laughs) (laughs) The TLPR of that book is two things are really (laughs) imperative. He says like learning how to deeply listen to the other person, which means you don't interrupt. You really hear, you really hear them out. You You're not here to tell them they're wrong. You're here to hold space for them to express their truth. And Mm -hmm. two, like conscious communication, really using your words and recognizing your words can either poison or nourish yourself or the other person. So (laughs) that meant that like I spent, you know, 30 minutes really mapping out how can I approach this conversation with my dad from a place of compassion, from a place of making sure that he's heard, that I also have space to speak my truth and, you know, expecting that we're not gonna end up on the same page. Well, what is, an ideal outcome. What is something that is still a positive for both of us? I uh ended up FaceTiming my dad, I think, that night. And it was a hard conversation. You know, I ended up like crying. And I ended up feeling, you know, emotional and and I ended up being very vulnerable, saying like to him that it hurts because it feels like you want me to change myself in order to be accepted or loved. Or that like, you know, it also feels Painful that peace in our family is conditional upon me changing myself, which that was a principle Mm. I was really upset with. You know, it's not the ring, the ring is a manifestation of an underlying principle I have of why can't we all accept and love each other as we are, as opposed to what we in our family has traditionally been everybody changing themselves for, you know, to maintain Mm -hmm. the peace around my dad. And (laughs) and
0: I think that really fosters like Mm -hmm. this secrecy. That yeah. tends to happen a lot in Asian households, oh my right? God. It's like and then we're all Oh my god. We're, we're all
1: carrying these secrets and they their burdens and it, they start to seep into the secrets that we even tell our partners, we tell our friends that we replicate in the workplace, you know, like it all it all festers into everywhere else. And and as I've been on mm-hmm. a journey of just being committed to truth seeking and truth telling, I no longer had the capacity or desire to lie even in small like seemingly small ways to my family and uh, I think the most beautiful part of the story was in offering an opportunity for my dad to speak and allowing myself to actually hear him like he really actually like impressed me and surprised me in ways that I didn't expect for example like one of the things that he clarified to me that stuck with me is uh him saying it's not that I don't accept you or that I'm not proud of you or that I don't love you I'm just not proud that it's on your face. And I maybe will not oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't post pictures on my Facebook for my friends to see of our family. And I was like, Cool, that still stays, but important distinction. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, still sucks okay. that you care what they think, but you know, like it Thanks it for also, the clarification. It was also very like it was a, a nuance that I appreciated. And you know, that was a step. You know, as opposed to if I had taken my old approach, which you know I, I'm—I I used to be a scorched earth policy person. If you remember that term from history, it's where it's a war tactic where you burn everything and leave nothing yeah. behind. <laughs> um, and I've traded that in for peace. And I, you know, we both said our peace. I heard him out. I heard how he said it was—it's an intergenerational thing. He thinks it's strange. He doesn't understand. But he also said I recognize it's your body. You're going to do what you want. I got to say, you know, it's not about the ring. I'm going to take it out one day when I'm bored of it. I I literally just have it because I think it's cute, which I know is frustrating because you don't understand how something could be done so lackadaisically. But, you know, it has nothing to do with me, and I'm proud of who I am, and I want you to know that. And then at the end, um, I asked, can we please just not fight about this when I'm home? I have 10 days, and I don't know what's going to happen with this country, can we just be together as a family? And, you know, knock on wood, so far, I've been here almost 10 days and we haven't had an argument about that. And just I got to just feel present with my family as opposed to feeling like there's this elephant in between us or like mm-hmm. a lion that, that we're all walking Defending around.
0: yourself mm-hmm. or, yeah, something else is like happening under the surface. Right, right. Like, you know,
1: carrying that lie, like walking around each other, being really weird and defensive and prickly because we don't know what hasn't been addressed yet, right? And we don't know if there is going to be something that comes from left field. You know, just kind of going direct to the source in the way that I did, I, I felt like it was a really big growth moment for me because I got to learn about my dad and also like speak my truth as opposed to assuming he's not gonna hear me.
0: You gave him the benefit of the doubt, right? Not like assuming that he's gonna act a certain way. And then I think that that opens up room for growth and conversation. I think the story that you're talking about happens to so many like Asian women to so many children of immigrants, right? It's like, there's such a gap between us and our parents, just generationally, like how we were both raised. And I found that through my other work at Misfits, we heard a lot of people saying that they like, always felt like they were carrying these burdens and these secrets from their family. And they just didn't know what to do about it. They didn't know how to talk to their parents. They didn't know how to talk to them about hard conversations because of like this toxic way that everyone was communicating. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Do you have any other suggestions for people like how to navigate this? It's definitely something I've heard a lot about. (laughs) as you were describing how many people are like
1: sitting on these like familial lies, intergenerational lies, lies that we tell that we think are going to protect us that actually end up just fueling more of the other lies. I just, started to see all these Asian people like clogged pipes. <laughs> like we all, need <laughs> some like Drano to like clear that shit. Right. And as like, yes. adding more things and then wondering why there isn't a flow, there isn't a connection an energetic, like connection between us and our family, why we feel blocked. Right. Why we feel like we can't communicate. It's all of these lies. Like they, they start to take up space because our words have energy and at the things that we say or do not say, are a form of energy, they're a form of expression, like they're already true by virtue of you feeling them. And if you don't act upon them, it's not like they go away, you know, they they continue to exist in the fringes or in the closet, wherever everybody's storing the stuff that they're not saying. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think I just got to the point in my own healing journey where I don't really want to make space for that anymore. And it started with first, like, doing, you know, years of work of recognizing all the ways in which I lie to myself, all the ways in which I'm not in integrity with myself, and how that connection to my own truth, and whether or not I have the courage or the wherewithal or the tools to communicate that truth to the other people in my life, the spaces I'm in, like, I had to see first that I am the beginning and the end of creating the life that I want. You without that work, like, I could never even recognize you know my role in my family right or how much power and agency i have to change my family and not change them in the sense of like i'm going to fix you or i'm going to go in and make you become what i want people will have to change in reference to me if i show up differently and i was Mm -hmm. committed to protecting my peace i was committed to speaking my truth even though it scared me even though being vulnerable with my dad was really fucking weird, even though I cried and I didn't want to cry because I was like, gosh, it's going to make me weak, even though I didn't plan to say that hurt me. But it just came out because I had been practicing my truth with my friends and other people with whom, you know, this type of language and conversation I had normalized. Mm-hmm. and it could flow easily, more easily in, in the moment when I really needed it with someone that I, you know, haven't really communicated well with for most of my life. So I would say yeah. easy, but also hard. And simple answer is recognizing where in your life you are lying to yourself and starting there and following that thread all the way through.
0: Yeah, I mean, how much better do you feel now that you were able to have that conversation with him? And like, how much more pleasant is your 10 days home that you, instead of reacting with like anger, which is honestly, that's how I am too. Like my first reaction is like frustrated, angry, you know, those types of emotions, but then if I give myself a little bit of space to think about whatever the situation is, I'm like, oh, there's a different feeling that I'm hiding. Mm. And that's what I have to talk about.
1: Yeah. And that feeling is scarier because anger (laughs) is easier to express because we don't necessarily have to admit we were hurt. But under that is a hurt, right? Under that is something that went unacknowledged, that's trying to break through the surface in the form of anger and I actually think that the peaceful route, the place of, you know, I think the other thing too is non-attachment. Like the key is not to be attached to the outcome, not to project that just because I did X amount of work, you need to also meet me at X amount of work. You know, if my dad hadn't responded to me the way that he did, I think I still would have been proud of myself because it mattered what I did for myself. It mattered that I tried and I could at least say I tried and I'm just going to keep trying I mean, obviously every family is different and there are cases where it's better not to try or it's or right now based on where your mental health is, it's better for you to be disconnected from your family. You know, I've had phases of not talking to my dad that I think I really needed when I was younger, whatever it is, I don't think there's no right or wrong answer. I think it's figuring out what will bring you peace, what will bring you closer to a sense of resolution that you could feel good with. And can you figure out what that is without it being contingent upon other people's responses? Because we can only really control you know, ourselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. The only thing that you can do is control how you react to things, the actions that you take. And I think that's definitely something that I've learned also as I've gotten a lot older. Like I said, I listened to those episodes with you in it. And I really re- resonated with you about like this feeling of being fiery and not wanting to tolerate any injustices on the playground. You know, I was definitely always like that kid that was sassy Uh, and like ready to call me. (laughs) You know, where I'd be like, why are they doing that? Like, that's not right. And it, and it took me such a long time to just be like, you know what, that I can't control what's happening over there. I can control what's happening like in my sphere and I don't need to be expending my energy on that. But it's so funny how like, as you get older, you start to really recognize certain things and patterns about yourself, like the limiting beliefs that you had placed on yourself. And sometimes I don't know where those things came from, you know, like Mm -hmm. maybe it was, the people that you're friends with in school, your family, but it's all of those things all wrapped up into one. And I noticed that earlier you mentioned that you've been on this kind of like self-discovery journey for a long time for you to get to this place of having this conversation with your dad. And was there a catalyst that sparked that self-discovery for you?
1: There's a very distinct milestone that I reference, which is so I started practicing yoga eight years ago. And that was really the beginning of a self-discovery practice for me. So originally, I had found yoga because I believe this was junior year of college. Junior year of college was really rough. I you know, was someone who thought I was going to go to law school. So I spent a lot of time pushing myself aggressively in school to try to like get that GPA. I uh, also would discover in college that my dad was cheating on my mom. I was also working 20 hours a week on top of a full course load and in no way like thinking about taking care of myself. Like I had the benefit of, you know, an able body. I was an able body person without any chronic illnesses. And so I could, you know, push and, and it would be a while before there'd be some feedback that said stop. But what started happening was uh, I was pulling all these all nighters, like not working out, like eating shit, (laughs) drinking a Mm -hmm. lot of coffee for finals. And, I developed like a chronic back pain in college as a 21 year old which is very abnormal. Yes, right? And it yeah. was so bad some days that like I couldn't get out of bed because I would feel this like searing hot ache in my lower back and I would have to take Advil and wait for it to hit before I could even get out and go to class. So it got to that point and I went to the doctor, went got recommended to a chiropractor and people weren't really able to figure out what was wrong. And the chiropractor would like, you know, adjust my spine, give me some things that felt good to maybe practice at home. But there was still, you know, nobody was talking about mental health or somatics in the mainstream at this point. So nobody even asked me, nor did I have the capacity to ask myself, like, are there areas in my life where I'm not processing my emotions or my lifestyle behaviors that are contributing to this physical manifestation of pain? I just thought like Mm -hmm. it had to be medical. It had to be something. And after the chiropractor kind of intuited to me that, like, you know, all I can really say is just keep coming to the chiropractor, I realized, like, that's not sustainable. That's also expensive. Yeah, you're
0: like, that right. costs a lot of money. What yeah. Do you mean just keep coming back to the exactly. chiropractor. Exactly. And eventually
1: I'm going to have to be off of my parents' insurance. So, like, I'm going to be paying way more than, you know, my dad's awesome insurance. So, I started Googling and I had a couple friends who had started yoga and I decided to give it a try because I was reading these testimonials and stories online of people who said that yoga supported them in healing and recovering from incredible injury and accidents and all sorts of like, you know, illnesses and, and ailments. I figured, you know, I can only, it can only be a plus. And Mm -hmm. so I started going more frequently. I want to say like uh, 2012, I really started. And then 2013, I really started even more frequently because I met, I had a friend, um, Alicia, who was really into Bikram yoga. It's a, a form of hot yoga. And she dragged me along and I got absolutely addicted to the heat and the intensity because it was fun. So along the way, you know, I came into it really for the physical relief ended up staying because I realized something that I can't quite explain. I couldn't explain at that point in time was happening to me by just showing up on the mat for something consistently. I had never had anything in my life before where I was just, where I was like practicing. And mm-hmm. the only person I was comparing myself to was myself, like my past self. And the only purpose of the practice was to be with myself. Like there was no other alternative, like there was no other motive which was very unique to me, having, you know, never really been dedicated to any hobby before in that way, or not having any sort of spiritual practice prior. I realized, you know, as I was showing up on my mat that I was just becoming a different person. I was showing up differently in my life in big and small ways. And most I think, importantly, um, I went through a really bad breakup in 2014 with like, someone that i would describe as like my a really serious like kind of love and when we broke up i was really shattered and you know, i used yoga as a coping mechanism like i would go twice a day you know like after yeah. work during work uh to- like back to back classes on the weekends because what i realized is you know outside of class i would just want to hide under the covers and be you know really depressed but whenever i went to class there would be, you know, sometimes five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes after class ended before the flood of sadness came back. Like I couldn't hold on to how sad I was feeling during the practice because I was so present with my body and my breath. And that would start to carry over into like a growing increment of my life post-class. That was like Mm. really a big, whoa, like light bulb moment, like this practice is creating space between me and these crushing emotions that I really just wanted relief from because it was such a debilitating sadness. My, honestly, the, I think the most painful breakup I've endured in my life. So that, I think, to me, was was something really interesting to continue digging into. The fact that yeah. it could give me that space and in that space, I could feel like I was more than the breakup. I was more than the depression. I was more than somebody who... was just going through the motions.
0: I really love how you described your relationship with yoga, because I think a lot of people have the wrong, maybe like the wrong impression of what yoga can do for somebody. I think it's really about being present on the mat, like you said, with yourself. And I think that that is really scary. But it's like the one time that that I also feel like really, really connected with myself and my body and just like the practice of yoga. And even when the instructor's talking, right, they like start to have you probe inwardly. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that that was also really helping you start thinking a little bit deeper about who you were and like the kind of person that you wanted to be, like how you were at, because they were asking you, like right now in this present moment, like what do you need? How do you feel without thinking about all the other things that are going on in your life? Right.
1: Absolutely. Like the, that line of self inquiry, like the fact that I could ask myself, what do I need? What am I feeling? Where can I let go of something? I just never seen it before. I'd never given myself Mm -hmm. permission to do so, but but through the cues, the sequencing, the themes that the, like some of the teachers I practice with would, weave into our bodies, like throughout class, it started to help me normalize that I can ask myself these things. And therefore, I can also take steps based on what response I'm getting back.
0: Mm -hmm. And you can release at the end of class, right? You're like, okay, how do I like get this energy out of my body? And like how do i just push it out because i think a lot of that stress and that sadness it sits inside of our bodies and people don't really realize that that's like that energy gets stuck in us mm-hmm. and i just like love when i have conversations with people and i realize that we have so much more in common than i thought <laughs> like originally going into the conversation you know because i also started doing yoga a lot in college and then more so after. And as you were talking about it, like, I realized that that practice was always really there for me when I needed to, like, be more present, connect with myself. Like, I think it's really easy to lose sight of yourself in this day and age, you know, with technology and working nine to five, you know, especially if you work in a corporate environment, or you're, you know, doing whatever, it's really easy to not be able to tune into yourself. And that is one of the most important pieces of being on a healing journey and being on this journey of self-discovery as far as I've figured out so far. <laughs>
1: right, And I think, I mean, everything we want can only manifest itself it can only be taken action upon, can only be expressed if we are actually connected with that part of us that tells us what we want that part of us that always knows whether you call it intuition your higher self god source you know there's this deeper intelligence that you know science doesn't even quite understand yet and yet so many people have been able to access it through mindfulness and spiritual practice i also like to clarify and offer my own definition of spiritual practice because i recognize it can be esoteric or woo woo and fluffy perhaps to somebody who hasn't participated in in a yoga or meditation or things like that yet I really define it as any practice that gets you closer to yourself. So That could be art that could be running or cycling That could be yoga, right? That could be prayer or or journaling I think is another one that's really popular these days But all of these practices can be spiritual if they're intentional and done with the intention of trying to understand yourself using processing what you're going through clarifying you know what you need and allowing yourself to be guided by your own internal compass
0: yes 100 percent. thank you for sharing your definition all right all birds y'all i have to tell you about them because not only do they make the world's most comfortable shoes using natural materials they care about their community and that is so refreshing. Recently, they asked me to join their global community of changemakers called the All Good Collective, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. I'm part of this group with a couple of other people you might recognize, like Leah Thomas, who's the founder of Intersectional Environmentalist, Lisa, who's the founder of the sustainable fashion brand, and Studios, and so many other amazing people that are doing really awesome things in their communities. Part of Allbirds' focus this year has been to empower their own members by elevating our voices, our work, and our stories. They really are on a mission to do things right. And if you'd like to check out the work of the other All Good Collective members, visit community.allbirds.com for upcoming events online and in real life. You can also follow them on social media at Allbirds. But... I'm going to give you a chance to seriously try out a pair of Allbirds with our monthly giveaway. So make sure you stick around until the end of the episode to find out how you can win a pair of Allbirds and see for yourself how freaking amazing they are and know that I'm truly genuinely a fan. All right, back to the episode. I was going to ask you, what else do you have in your spiritual practice? I mean, I was talking to a friend the other day and and I'm very into, like, all things that are esoteric. Um, I've been like this since I was little. My stepdad gave me my first tarot deck. And I was wow, like, the that one that I knew. <laughs> right? I know. I've, I've honestly had it for such a long time, like, probably since I was 10. He, like, gave me this tarot card deck. And I've been reading for friends off and on. And, like, when I went to college, so I went to the University of Iowa, and when I went to college, I like you know I didn't bring my tarot deck with me <laughs> to to Iowa, and so I didn't refine that until after I graduated. And then now having it back in my life, and it's something that I do every single day. It is a spiritual practice for me, right? It helps me like stay more in tune with myself and my intuition, and I think that's helped me like manifest all of these other great things. But it's not due to like the tarot cards right Mm -hmm. or like magic it's due to the inner work that i've been trying to do over the past couple of years and it's funny because even if you are like religious if you believe in god there is something that is so intertwined between religion and magic that i don't think people realize Mm -hmm. like asians have so many superstitions so you know like literal books (laughs) so exactly and then they're like wait magic is weird and i'm like it's not really because it's already intertwined with like what you do you know like the idea of like day of the dead of all saints day all souls day Mm -hmm. which is it's actually a catholic belief that like the spirits come and it's a thin veil between you know the living and the dead like that's kind of magic in itself.
1: Yeah. The way that, you know, Asians leave fruit on altars. So many people leave food on altars, right? To feed our ancestors, especially when we want to ask for something. Uh, I think another one that someone shared with me is like, you know, how we have this tradition of like putting candles on a cake and making a wish. How is that any different than set it's like a spell, right? Or yeah. like intention. It's just part of like the traditional canon of tradition. Like. Canon of American, I guess, tradition or birthday tradition that we don't see it as such, but there are all these mm-hmm. little and big things that are in our lives that I think not only speak to the human need to make things sacred, and which is to say, to make our lives matter. It's really important mm-hmm. to have these these rituals, but also I think there's something just historically, or for thousands of years, people have always needed to feel. Connected to something bigger. They've wanted to know what their purpose is like why they're here why they're going through the things they're going through and you know spirituality I think it's a rigorous commitment to questioning everything on your own so that you can and trusting and Believing that you can only know it if it's in your direct experience, which I think makes it different from religion Which is we're going to tell you what to believe So in a way I think spirituality is is harder because you are asked to, at least in the practice, the tradition, the, the ways that I view spirituality, you're asked to question everything until it and, and make incorporate it in your experience so that you can actually know what you're talking about and you know what's bullshit or not for yourself. Like you're not taking things at face value. You are critical and you mm-hmm. are willing to trial and error and experiment with yourself to figure out like what you
0: believe. Yeah, exactly. I love that distinction that you just made between religion and spirituality and spiritual practice is like, that is really the main difference, right? You like look outward for like what to believe and and that practice. And I feel like for me also, spirituality is looking inward. And I think people can do a mix of both things. It's just Interesting to see different perspectives around these types of conversations because I don't think people really have them very much. Like my family's pretty religious, you know. My grandparents go to church every Sunday. They've always gone to church every Sunday. I grew up going to Sunday school, um, CCD. <laughs> you know, like that's always been a big thing. I got confirmed, and I think it's definitely something that I think about is is like spirituality, like. Your inner knowing, your intuition, how do you tune into yourself? How do you make the world around you mean something? And I feel like people and yourself is like the greatest puzzle of all, right? We're never going to be able to figure ourselves out or like other people. And that's what makes life so interesting.
1: I also think what is so important about spirituality is that it is in many ways a direct form of activism against the violence, the ongoing violence, oppression of other groups and cultures and spiritual beliefs. It's against like Christianity, which has caused, Christianity and Catholicism have caused a lot of violence, death. You know, if you, you can go back hundreds of years, right? The ways in mm-hmm. which other people were converted and brutally so and the consequences if you didn't convert. You know, wars have literally been started And the result of that has been like a lot of these other beliefs that people had, non-white peoples had, were either condemned as like evil, demonic, right? You think of like voodoo, hoodoo, um, a lot of Mm -hmm. these like uh, West Indian and Caribbean beliefs like Yoruba, which are so beautiful, like they're starting to be a resurgence. And um, also a really devastating, I think, uh, long-term effect of, you know, Christianity's corruption and and violence and oppression of other people's beliefs has been the fact that many people of color, uh, we have been uh, kind of separated from, or any marginalized community has been really separated from our intuition because white supremacy says there's one right way, that there's one way to be, one way to believe, one way to succeed, yada, yada, yada. And so I actually think that coming back to your spiritual practice, your ancestral lineage Whatever it is that feels uniquely yours or your people's can be such a disruptive form of activism, can be decolonization as spiritual practice and can be liberation, right? like It's a liberatory way to choose something different that brings you closer to who you are, connects you to your culture, allows you to reclaim your heritage, to take up space and to... You know, like con- connecting back to that intuition, that, that inner knowing, like you said, that deeper intelligence that is yours allows you to say no to capitalism and no to racism, no to all these like really harmful structures that have been around for all of my life. You know, like I grew yeah, up in, in same. I grew up in, in this this culture. And in order to choose something differently, I need to access different cultures. And that's where I can lean on the traditions that I learn about from other people, from my own family. And also, my like I said, this this commitment I have to truth-seeking and figuring out what does spirituality mean for me.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that that really overlaps with the work that you're doing at the Cosmos. I mean, it's part of exactly what it is that you're creating in that community. I mean, I know we've been talking a lot about our journeys to knowing ourselves better and self-discovery, but all of that needed to happen in order for you to start the cosmos. Do you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. And the cosmos has changed even so much in the three years since it was born because I've changed so much. My co-founder has changed, the world has changed and the community has changed. So it's constantly evolving, but our, you know, our mission of supporting the Asian women and gender non-binary community, our mission of helping people to care for themselves, their community and their world and recognizing that those are three concentric circles. Those are interlocking. They're not like separate, right? They're interlocking, interrelating concepts. That has always been the heart of what we do. And it's the commitment that Karen and I have to our own self-work and realizing that the things that exist in our internal world will manifest in our business, will manifest in Mm -hmm. our community. And I can only create something different in the worlds and the communities I touch if I can first envision it for myself like I cannot give compassion love equity anti-capitalism anti-racism to others and I can't create from that place if I don't explore what that looks like in myself which means I must interrogate all the structures and systems and biases that I have taken on in order to survive as a Women of color, as a first gen American, you know, as a descendant of Vietnamese refugees, like all these identities have, you know, this have been affected by, have been projected to mean something in this culture. And I need to figure out where my work is so that I can choose differently.
0: Yeah. And starting a business and starting the community, it catapults you into that discovery even further than I think you could ever have gone on your own, right? It's like faster and you go a lot deeper because you're not only caring about yourself, but you're caring about all these other people and creating this space for them to do the same thing. And what does community care look like for you? Like as you're caring for yourself and as you're caring for the community and like creating that space, what does that mean to you?
1: When I think about that question, it brings me to this visual. So I had a Vedic astrology reading with this woman named Mukta on... Saturday so not that long ago Ooh. and for folks who don't know vedic astrology comes from uh, comes from the vedas which is like a 5000 year old like ancient text that really was the foundation for the spiritual and philosophical practice of yoga written by indian sages and you know so it goes back thousands of years and is a specific way of interpreting the stars and the planets but one of the things that she said to me was that what she saw in my chart is that i'm like an earthworm like I'm here to consume to assimilate to alchemize like all sorts of different things especially the esoteric because when I digest them when I process them I leave behind a trail of black gold of nutrients for other people to consume so I guess black gold is what you would call earthworm poop (laughs) and apparently it is gold because it's um, like when you buy fertilizer or soil it's in there and it does provide nutrients to plants And when she shared that with me, it was, first of all, it just felt really true. Like, that's oftentimes how I have felt as a human being. Like, I have such strange, diverse interests, like everything from, I don't know, like, yeah, yoga philosophy and astrology. And I'm doing my Reiki certification this weekend, all the way to (gasps) entrepreneurship um, and community building and thinking about what it looks like to. Dismantle capitalism from our business practices. From myself, it's my activism. Like I studied political science in undergrad, so I've always been thinking about power, who it's granted to, who has it, how to how to take it, how to create it for people and with people, as opposed to over people. So it just made a lot of sense. And I think for me, that is what community care is. Like, how do we recognize our power and agency to take all the things that we are consuming and digesting and have that we touch alchemize them within our bodies process them and release them as black gold so that everybody who interacts with us who touches us who comes into our presence our space who gets to be in community with us can benefit
0: wow that's beautiful i think that's a really beautiful way of looking at it just a bunch of earthworms yeah, out gold. Bunch of- <laughs> <laughs> i'm like we all everyone's probably listening to this being like who is this person that she talked to? How do I get a <laughs> reading? So I'm gonna put it in the show notes because I'm gonna ask you oh, for their my info gosh, later. Yes. Oh yeah. And I'm like I'll what? need to add in my link. <laughs> so I'm like, what? I want to know what my chart says. Yeah. I mean, wait, can I ask you what is your sun? So I'm a Gemini
1: Sun, Aries, Moon, okay. Libra, Rising. And my co-founder, Karen, is an Aries sun, Pisces moon, Gemini rising. So we share Gemini and Aries in our top three, which I think does allow us to like get along well.
0: Yeah, it probably lets you guys like kind of work in tandem in that way, even though it's in different placements. Yeah, I totally felt like you had Aries in your chart.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of fire and air on my chart, basically, not a lot of water or earth.
0: That's so funny. Mine is a lot of earth. Earth and fire. And what's Sagittarius again? Is that fire? That is right. I think it's fire. Yeah. I'm like blinking. Yes. I have so much of those three things. And I guess air. I don't know. There's a lot. I think there's maybe a little bit of a balance, but probably more earth because Mm -hmm. I'm a Taurus rising, a Capricorn moon, and then a Libra. Wait. Oh my gosh. I said that backwards. Libra moon, Capricorn sun. And Taurus Mm. rising. There we go. I was like, let me start over. (laughs) But yes. So again, if people are interested in looking at their charts, I will link something in here. And that's like a totally different conversation that I would love to (laughs) have. (laughs) Because I could talk about that for such a long time. I just introduced my other friend to her chart. I was like, I asked her and she was like, wait, what? like, hold on. Let me. Have figure you on
1: down the human design rabbit hole yet? That is another world.
0: Yes. Wait. Are you a manifesting generator? Generator. I am a
1: manifestor, and my profile is six two. So it's the role model hermit.
0: <gasps> oh, okay. I'm a generator. I don't remember what my other what the other one is yeah it's like a fraction like one number and another number (laughs) yeah I'm like I can't remember what the number is but yes I did we actually did an interview with Victoria in season one on human design and people like went crazy over it
1: I mean going back to how we said people want to know what their purpose is what their place is what they're meant to do they want to feel affirmed in who they are by the way another shout out Channy Nicholas's book you're born this way is a oh, really great so place for people to start as well, just to like kind of I, like I really like her stance on astrology. It is it's a way to feel confident that you were designed the way you are, that your life has a beauty in the chaos,
0: if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think her stuff is really easy to read.
1: Yeah, you know, she writes clear so poetically. Like whenever I get my like horoscopes or my affirmations from her on the newsletter, I'm just so stoked because they're so poetic. They balance social justice and like
0: yes. you know, her,
1: her values around activism with like the spiritual work. And it's beautiful, it's fun to read. It feels like I'm opening a Christmas present every time I see her emails.
0: Yes. Her stuff is amazing. That's so funny that you brought her up because that's who I was gonna link in the show notes for people to go get their chart if they haven't done it. Yes, her tool is so helpful and it goes. I sent it it to everyone. (laughs) Yes. yes, I was gonna say, and it goes with the book. So if you want all of those things, you could do it. It's like all of the spiritual stuff, all these different modalities. Like I know you said you're getting your Reiki certification, which is also super amazing and so cool. I've been thinking about wanting to get certified in something or another, like tarot, obviously would be my first thing, Mm -hmm. but I, I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. I haven't researched anything about it, but it's so amazing to me how like everyone is so into these modalities right now, because everyone does want to like learn more about themselves. They want to learn what their greater purpose is. Like how do they live a life that feels more, Like in flow versus forcing all of these things, you know, Mm -hmm. that seems to be the theme.
1: And I would invite anybody who's listening that, like, if you're feeling like a big resistance or a strong skepticism to something, I encourage you to try it and use it as a tool to understand your skepticism, understand your resistance, because then in that way. That tool is also helping you. Like it's not just for the believers. Like, I actually think these tools are really interesting tools of objective inquiry for the skeptics as well. You know, like I think like mm-hmm. if spirituality is only for the people who believe it, then what do the skeptics get? You know, like I I think what's really powerful is like the skeptics, in order to be like really confirmed in your skepticism, don't you need to try it? Don't you need to? inquire deeper of where the skepticism comes from and, and where where is there maybe room for belief to come in for a different experience to be had i just encourage that because it doesn't have to mean anything more than this is a tool for me to uncover or learn more about myself or my skepticism and yeah. you might actually be really surprised by how it makes you feel and i think even if tarot and astrology just makes you giggle like that's a plus like that like thats be <laughs> yeah. all that it does. Cool. If it helps you quit your job, awesome. If it helps you like get the courage to get out of a relationship that sucked, awesome. But if it also helps you to feel like clear on, okay, that my skepticism actually maybe comes from my fear of believing that I can change my life. Like, wow. Can you imagine if you got to un- like mind that out of that?
0: Mind blowing. That's what that would be like. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, I think I've always had this mentality of like, why not? you know, like, why not try that? Yeah. Why not try it once? And if you don't like it, and that's okay, you know, there's that right, what is it? Don't knock it till you try it. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a pretty simple, simple way to think about things. But I think it's always about getting curious, like, why shut yourself off? If you don't actually know anything yet, you know, like, I think people are sometimes quick to shut things down. Yeah. And everyone's guilty of that. But all this exploration, I think can only help
1: you. Yeah. And there's a quote that I cannot remember who said it, but it was off of a podcast that I heard either the on being podcast or the Ezra Klein show. But the guest said basically that skepticism is also a belief system. You are choosing not to believe. And I want people to really anchor in on that because skepticism doesn't make you superior to other people. It's a choice to not believe in something because that belief fuels another part of you. And that doesn't mean we're going to go off and just start believing anything that's hawked on the internet, right? I think discernment, critical thinking, the commitment to understanding whether something is for you or not, trying new things is like, these are the key tools in our arsenal, but also know that skepticism is a defense mechanism from trying because it's a belief system that nothing's going to work or ever change.
0: That's a really good way to think about it, to spin it back. I mean, everything that you choose to believe in is your choice to believe in it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, no, sorry. I'm just thinking about what you said because I love how you spun that back around and asking that question, like, why are you a skeptic or skeptic? Oh my gosh. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I can't even say it. Um, but like, you know, why are you a skeptic? And why do you believe that? And maybe there is something that you're avoiding I think people are really good at avoiding
1: things. I know that I usually oh, am. Heck yeah. All <laughs> of us. And we have blind spots. We have things that we mm-hmm. just don't examine because they hurt or because they're scary or because it's just been a long time. Or maybe we're attached to the person we are right now because it's more comfortable. Like there's so many reasons why. And, you know, I also lean the other way. Like super spiritual people, make sure you leave room for inquiry. Make sure you leave room for being wrong. You know, make sure you question know the gurus and whoever is you know teaching you something it goes both ways but I think like skepticism and spirituality are I guess two pathways into inquiry and we can honor both like I I like to bring a I honor my skepticism when I dive deeper into my spiritual practice like you know a year ago if somebody asked me if I believed in Angels, and if I believed in crystals, I might have been like, "No, I've never had an experience with them, so why would I?" Now I have inquired, I've learned more about them, and I've had an experience with them, so I can have a different perspective. But it all came from like holding my skepticism just as much as I hold on to my spirituality. Like they're they're two sides of the same coin for me.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, this conversation is kismet. My friend's mom actually made me a pendulum with a crystal. that she let me pick out yeah Yeah. like two weeks ago (laughs) because I was really I've had crystals again my stepdad gave me crystals he's I don't even even know (laughs) (laughs) about this I'm like yeah you need to connect
1: with him and kind of learn about his journey I feel like that would be so fascinating for you
0: he's so funny I'm like damn I gotta text my dad now and be like wait why did you have all these things tell me how you ended up knowing about these things I'm like, why did you think it was a good idea to give me tarot cards and crystals growing up? But um, it was the full moon. Okay, so not not the one that's coming up, obviously, but the last full moon that we had. And we were- oh, um the am I... Yes. Oh my gosh. Duh. Hello. Yes, the Halloween full moon. And we all went to my friend's ranch and her mom was there and she was like showing me her pendulum. And I was like, oh, you should leave it outside so it can recharge under mm-hmm. full moon light. And so- But then everyone was kind of like wanting to play with the pendulum. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everyone was getting super into it. Like a girl that was there was like, I'm going to take this into the other room and just like ask it some questions. (laughs) It was so cute. And that was really my first real experience though with crystals. And I was like, Oh heck yeah. Like Let's go. Why not? You know, who knows what it's going to tell me. And so her mom ended up making us, literally three of us pendulums from that crystals that so she already had. That is sweet of her. It was so cute. It's so cute. And I love when you can discover something new like that. And I think if people look at things with like this, you know, different perspective where things are a little bit more magical, I don't know. I just, I like that mentality, like looking at these things and thinking that they are special and different and an opportunity to ask questions I just think that that really does open up a lot in your life in general. And so I know that we're kind of like coming up to the hour and I want you to be able to hang out with your family. So I'm not going to keep you super long, but I would love to talk about anything that you guys have going on, like you personally or Cosmos has coming up that you would like to share.
1: Thanks for asking that. You know, this is a really, really exciting time and I think it's an exciting time, particularly because you know I, Karen and I have been doing so much work behind the scenes, internally, learning from our community, reading what you know against the really intense landscape of 2020. What is the best thing we can do to serve, given the tools and the gifts that we have? And what we're excited for is on December 1st, we're going to be releasing like a new brand, a second brand. So the join wow. the cosmos Inc as a company. Uh, you know, our mission is to help people care for themselves, their community, their world. The cosmos will always remain our, you know, Asian women community, a place where we're supporting Asian women and gender non-binary folks, specifically because there are such few spaces for us, by us that center us. But we are also going to be expanding because it's been on my and Karen's heart for a long time to share what we have learned in, building a company, building a community, navigating from being at a place where we weren't sure how the fuck we were going to get paid to, you know, literally (laughs) um, being able to quit our jobs, to being able to celebrate this year that it's our second year as a six figure business to next year. Like if we do things right, if we're on track, if we meet my financial projections, like we're on track to three X, like our revenue. So like that journey has been so harrowing and hard and, multiple points where Karen or I thought that it wasn't going to work or that we were going to have to give up. And all of that to say, it's really fueled us in realizing that very little out there in terms of accessible, relatable business resource content or like space for wellness entrepreneurs, specifically women of color, service-based wellness entrepreneurs. So this new brand is going to be dedicated to helping women of color, inclusive of gender, non-binary, trans, LGBTQ+, folks who consider themselves wellness practitioners. So, you know, coaches, therapists, yoga teachers, energy healers, dance, art therapy, you know, all forms of wellness practitioners. Like you all have very unique businesses where, you know, your time is both like the, the most limited resource you have, but also what people are often paying for. And specifically what we're excited for is, you know, we've been running this Give Good Care Accelerator this year. And on December 1st, when this new brand drops, we're going to open the doors for enrollment and to give good care too. And that accelerator is going to be from January to June of next year and really, really focusing on helping, you know, wellness practitioners, women of color wellness practitioners. Wow, that's a lot of W's um, <laughs> <I know. laughs> to work on what's traditionally been the hardest and scariest fucking stuff of your business, which is your business model understanding your costs, resourcing, operations, customer journey work, like structuring your services, like the nuts and bolts and the guts of your business, which, you know, not to knock anybody else, but in many times where I've tried to learn this stuff on the journey, nobody really wanted to share it. Nobody wanted to show me their business model. I didn't have access to templates that I felt made sense. Like a lot of the templates you can get for free online are, are made by like Ivy League finance bros, right? And and or corporations uh, yeah. or like product-based businesses, software businesses, not services. So we're creating it and I'm excited because we're creating a framework that's like a GGC framework to take people from you know customer journey all the way through sales and like you're gonna exit the program with your business model and clarity on on your offerings. So a lot of stuff is being birthed in December 1st is when that drops on the new givegoodcare.com website.
0: I am so excited. I'm like, I want to check it out. That sounds amazing. I mean, I just had a, again, kismet. I just had a conversation with someone else that is on an entrepreneurial journey like I am. And we were talking about how there aren't a lot of good resources out there. You know, have you ever tried to Google a business model? Like, how did you do Uh, it? Oh, my gosh so much Googling and I hated everything that I found, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I hate this. I don't get this. This sounds stupid. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> why? Like, you know what I mean? Like a lot why is of it's it so hard. Like, right. I'm like, why is this? How are people doing this? You know? And like the best ways that I've learned is literally connecting with other people and just asking them straight up. And most of the time, especially because I typically only hit a like, woman of color. Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, like, yes. Like, Let me share that with you. Like, I'm happy to, you know, to talk about it with you. Like, let's get on the phone. And that is what has been so much more helpful because apparently everyone was just trying to keep secrets on the internet about how to actually start a business and have a service based business and figure out how to do all these things. Right. Right. It's always about like the marketing and sales aspect, but it's like yes, it's like about, everybody
1: just skips yeah. over like the engine oh God, and they just get to the car, like the wrapper <laughs> yes. of the car. And I'm like, I don't know what color the car is. I don't even know what my model is. Like, what is a business model? What, are, what is it supposed to answer? Like, these were all like questions like that you navigated. We navigated by ourselves for a long time and we felt so shameful and embarrassed and guilty and weird that we couldn't articulate our business model, honestly, like until a year into our business. Because yeah. nobody was
0: talking about it. And a lot of us no. just made it up as oh. we went. Exactly. And that's what it is. It's like everyone's just making it up as they go. And that's what I figured out also. It's like nobody knows what the heck they were doing. And the problem is that everyone skips all of those steps, right? Yeah. They just go straight to the marketing and the sales piece. And I'm like, okay, but like what happens when you have zero dollars? Because I'm definitely not sitting on a trust fund mm-hmm. to just pour money into things to like yeah. try it out, you know? And it's funny because it's like if you also want to apply for grants or anything like that you have to be at certain <laughs> stages right yeah. and then they're like what's your business model you're and like, like uh. i don't know but i need <laughs> help and that's why i'm applying for this grant like what right. are you guys talking about
1: right like what are you looking for like bullet points you want a google spreadsheet like like mm-hmm. so many there's so many big question marks at the beginning and that's specifically like who we want to support we want to support like this accelerator is going to be for people who either very seriously want to create a plan to quit their full-time job and go full-time on themselves like by the end of the 6 months or for people who are like kind of you know really feeling lost maybe they've just quit their job maybe in their first 1 year of business but they haven't quite felt like they have their the ground under their feet they still can't articulate their business model they don't really know where they're pulling their prices from So we're really wanting to support like that group because there are resources. I see a lot of like women of color coaches who build resources for people who want to scale for people who want to like 10 X their revenue. But like, we're passionate about the people who are just trying to get to the point where they can say, I do this full time. Like who can say like, I'm going to be sustainable in my business. I don't have to do five part-time jobs or like keep this corporate job that sucks my soul out and try to do like the practice of caregiving on the side, which is, you know, eventually, it's just a recipe for burnout.
0: Yeah, I think what you guys are launching is going to be so welcomed by the community. I'm so excited to check it out and like see, because obviously, as you can tell, I definitely resonate with with (laughs) that like whole feeling, right? You just like feel so confused, I think, when you first start a business or like, you know, quote unquote, a business, when you first start an idea or whatever, you're like, great. So like, what do you do? And, like, how do you make money? And, like, mm-hmm. where do you get that from? How do I do all of these things that most people are just trying to figure out as they go? Where there's definitely a way that people could do it without putting themselves into a ton of debt in the beginning, you know? Yeah. I think for women of color, that's especially important because we typically have a lot of debt. <laughs> if yeah. you, like, went to college and you know, maybe you had to pay for it, or you had some scholarships, but you know, your family wasn't able to do that. Like, it's really hard to then pour money into something that you don't know exactly how it's going to work. And it's a lot of trial and error. And I think everyone would be better off having those kinds of resources. So I'm so excited. And obviously, I'll definitely share it when you guys release it on December 1st. Thank you,
1: Christina. We appreciate your support. Yeah, so much.
0: We always end every episode with this question, which is, are there any women of color who are inspiring you right now?
1: Oh my God, I wish you gave me hours because there are so many right now. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, like women of color, particularly black women, particularly black trans women are like really leading the way, like are the leaders, are the people who are most inspiring and from whom we have the most to learn right now. But some people in, my life, who I am constantly inspired by, who I am like lucky to call my community. I want to shout out my friend, um, Suniki Way, who's the founder of NAYA, N A A Y A Wellness. Um, I want to shout out Brittany and Shaidea, co founders of Black Girl Magic. I also want to shout out to Catlan Tigua of Goddess Council, like the people in my life who I cons- consistently look to who are building communities for women of color, advocating for women of color, and also through their own spiritual practice through their own ways of navigating questions of how to care for themselves are such good examples I think to all of us that we can care for ourselves and that is how we care for our community
0: love it I'm definitely gonna link in the show notes I love all of the people that you mentioned I've you know looked up to them and follow them on socials. so Super excited to get other people to learn more about them, and of course about you. After being on this podcast, like seriously, it is—it was such a good conversation. I'm so excited that I got to know you uh, a little bit more than I did before, <laughs> and yeah, I'm just so super excited to continue growing our friendship and to see what else y'all do.
1: Thank you, Christina, and thank you for offering this space. Super excited to listen to this podcast and. I know that your your community is super glad that you're having these types of conversations.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. It's been super fun to talk to you. And we're going to have to have a, another conversation about like our human design charts and astrology <laughs> and you getting your Reiki certification and all of those things. Because again, like I said, I could talk about this for hours. Truly.
1: Absolutely. This is so much fun.
0: All right, y'all. That was our episode with Cassandra. I hope that you loved it so much and really learned from her. I know that I'm going to continue learning from her and Karen and everything that they do at the Cosmos and everything that they're launching this December. And so I'll make sure to link everything in the show notes so y'all can check it out and send us, you know, what your thoughts were. Tell us how things are going if you're navigating hard conversations i would love to hear from you about how that's going over the holiday i know it can be a really rough time especially because well covid can't really see our families and yeah you know we're all going through similar things obviously different everyone's experience is different but i'm here for you and I did tell you that it is my birthday month, so I'm gonna make it easier for y'all to win a new pair of Allbirds. Try like those weatherproof ones if you live somewhere cold. Just throwing it out there. I have a pair, I took them hiking and they're phenomenal. But anyway, so here's how you win. All you have to do is go leave a review of the podcast and then DM me on Instagram at embold company. Shoot me a DM, be like, hey, I wrote a review and you're automatically entered to win, that's it. So hope to hear from you all soon and can't wait to hear what you think of the podcast, like give me your genuine feedback. Hopefully you guys really love it. I love recording these conversations and talking to these amazing human beings. And lastly, if you forgot, Totally okay. Ain't gonna hold it against you. But don't forget, I'm teaching, exploring your cultural identity with Ethos Club. And by the time you hear this, it'll be right before week two. So, holla at your girl if you want to join. Just let me know. All right. See y'all next week.